Virginia. Where the spirit of 1.8 million West Virginians wills you to victory. Other places have pro teams, but in this state, the Mountaineers are a way of life. When I competed, and more that number, I competed for the state and for the people, not just for the university. Now, let's roll out the carpet and bring on the Mountaineers. That's not a spree. Yes! Alexander. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into episode 8 of the 2022-2023 version of the CRW Hoops podcast. As we continue to try and cover the West Virginia men's basketball season, we got the game against the TCU Horned Frogs in the books that we talked about in episode 7. So we're going to review that here, and then, of course, we will preview Saturday's upcoming game against the Oklahoma Sooners taking place Saturday night in Morgantown. We'll get into a preview of that one to close out the show. So this episode will probably be a little bit more brief than the ones we've been doing in the past here on the CRW hoops podcast with only one game to review and one game to preview but unfortunately at this time west virginia sits at 13 and 9 and 2 and 7 in the conference following that game against tcu as unfortunately as you all know they were not able to come out on the winning side of but we'll get into a discussion of maybe why i look at the numbers a little bit and kind of give my thoughts on that game before we get into the preview of the game against oklahoma and uh, one scheduling note prior to that preview as well but with no further ado, let's get into it. Let's talk about the West Virginia Mountaineers game against the TCU Horned Frogs in the most recent game of the West Virginia men's basketball season that took place this past Tuesday night. As we unfortunately saw West Virginia begin February with an all-too-familiar road loss in the Big 12 Conference, something that's becoming a bit of a trend now for West Virginia, not only this year but in recent seasons. Got to do get to be able to get a road win here later on in the season as we continue to progress here. But having said that, let's take a look at that road contest and dive in on the numbers a little bit and try and find out just what happened in that loss to TCU. All right, so West Virginia went on the road Tuesday night to take on the 15th-ranked TCU Horned Frogs in what we knew would be a hard contest, not only because TCU was such a great team, but we knew the revenge factor was probably motivating TCU after they felt like they were really disappointed with their performance against West Virginia the first time these two teams met in Morgantown and West Virginia was able to secure a win, really dominate on the glass. And I think TCU kind of took that personally, it seemed like. I believe they had this game circled on their calendar coming into this one. Also talked about in our preview, we didn't know the status of Mike Miles. Turns out he didn't end up playing for the TCU Horned Frogs, as well as their center, Eddie Lampkin, only ended up playing about eight minutes dealing with a high ankle sprain. But however, it didn't really matter. TCU seemed to do whatever they want offensively, if I'm being honest with you guys in this game. I think West Virginia's defense let them down, especially when it comes to giving lanes to the basket, whether it be straight line drives or just giving a backdoor cuts up, things like that. As you can see here, here's something I normally don't do. i got to share this shot chart with you guys because just look right here in the center at all this purple right here, right near the basket. I mean, all 
almost all of TCU shots well over 50%, as you can see right near the rim. Only looks like, you know, a handful of shots that they even make from outside of the painted area. Uh, just judging by my count here, one, two, three, four, five shots from outside the painted area that TCU made all night, according to this shot chart, it looks like here on ESPN.com. So as you can see, TCU, a big reason they won this game, they just dominated in scoring inside, scoring in the paint. Seemed like every time West Virginia would get close, and this was a game where it was a battle consistently down the stretch all the way to the end. As you can see, TCU outscored West Virginia by four in the first half, even matched in the second half at 40 to 40 but it seemed like down the stretch West Virginia would cut it to six and then TCU would get a wide open layup and get it back to eight or even there was a couple times West Virginia cut it to four and you're like all right we need to stop and we got this and then it's wide open layup for TCU or a shot right around the basket and that was just the theme all night for West Virginia in this one so I had to start this off here in this review by showing this shot chart just because it was almost unfathomable if you didn't watch the game how many shots TCU got at the rim, you know, free layup and dunks at times as well, whatever you want to say there. But if you didn't watch the game, it's almost hard to put into words how easy the shots were TCU was getting and how troublesome the West Virginia defense that they showcased in Fort Worth was. And you got to hope that they turn that around. But it's becoming a bit of a trend for West Virginia. They're ranked near the bottom in uh, the opponent field goal percentage allowed. I think West Virginia is allowing their opponents to score over 50% from the field or close to it, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, if you're doing that, you're going to be, need to be scoring a lot in this game West Virginia really wasn't as you'll see as we dive into some of the team numbers here before we look at the individual stats in this game against TCU but I definitely had to point out TCU scoring in the paint and how much that stuck out to me in this game and I'm sure a lot of you all throughout Mountaineer Nation as well looking at the team stats here in this 76 to 72 loss which of course you guys watching on the video version of this episode can see this and follow along with me of course I'll announce it out for you guys on the audio side but having said that if you're tuned in to the video version whether it be on the Country Roads webcast YouTube channel or the WV Sports Now YouTube channel. As you can find us there also as we are part of the Sports Now family of networks here. But whether you're tuned into it on our YouTube or theirs, whichever video version you are, do us a favor, drop a like on the video. That really helps its performance, which helps future videos' performances as well. And if you're a WVU fan, be sure and hit the subscribe button. Plenty of Mountaineer Sports content going out, and it helps get more of it out to Mountaineer Nation. But if you're tuned in on the audio side, we definitely appreciate that as well. You can find the audio version on any podcast platform you prefer. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating but if you're listening on google podcast spotify or anywhere else be sure and share us around with other west virginia fans it helps us to grow the country roads webcast community throughout mountaineer nation and now that we got that out of the way let's dive in on some of these team numbers from this game against tcu as you can see field goal percentage like i said west virginia did not do a great job defensively tcu shooting basically 52 percent from the field there west virginia only shooting 44 percent tcu shot two of ten from the three-point line only 20 percent but they're not a three-point shooting team and they didn't need to shoot threes in this game as I said earlier, getting so many easy layups and dunks and just points in the paint in general. And for West Virginia's case, as I said, if you're not going to defend the basketball well, you need to be able to score it well. In West Virginia's case in this game, they weren't shooting the ball well, as you see there with the 44% field goal percentage. And in addition to that, the one thing that West Virginia has done well at times throughout this season, especially in the games they've been able to win in the Big 12 conferences, they've shot the three ball well. That wasn't the case in this one. As you see there, 6 of 22, only 27% from the three-point line. So if you're not able to shoot the ball well and you're not able to defend, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, looking at these numbers, it's really a miracle that West Virginia stayed in this game as long as they did. I think if you're going to point out a positive, that's at least a testament to this team's resolve, I believe, and their resiliency to be able to stay in games and battle. We've seen them do that a few times throughout the season. However, numbers-wise, you know, West Virginia did not shoot the ball well, did not defend well, but they managed to stay in the basketball game and fight till the end. So that's the one positive I guess you could pull out of this if you're looking at it, as well as free 
throw percentage. West Virginia has done a better job of that in recent games. That continued in this one. Got to the line 19 times. Hit 16 of them. 84% clip there. Rebounds dead even this time. That was the one big advantage West Virginia had on TCU in their first meeting. This time, both teams with 32 apiece. West Virginia did not turn the Horn Frogs over either. Like I said earlier, just not a good game defensively for West Virginia. That's another sign of that as well as they only forced TCU into seven turnovers, but the Mountaineers commit 10 themselves. So still turning the ball over a bit too much. West Virginia is, although that number is down from what it had been, you know, a few games ago at least. So I guess you could point that out. But overall, just look at the numbers. You can pretty much see why TCU won the game. And I think that combined with the shot chart I showed you guys earlier in talking about TCU scoring in the paint, of course, those were the big reasons why the Horned Frogs were able to secure this victory overall, in my opinion. Let's take a look at some individual numbers here, as you can see for West Virginia. Trey Mitchell did have a bit of a bounce back game, and I think that was much needed for him. Finished up with 15.6 rebounds, four assists. Emmett Matthews did end up with 10 points, two rebounds, two assists. But I think, you know, like a lot of you guys, I feel like Emmett's just not the same since that knee injury. You know, he did have a nice dunk in the game at one point, but we're not getting that aggressive Emmett as much, and it just seems like he's not as willing to attack. And I think it's maybe just because he's not 100% out there. That's what I'm going to believe. But he certainly just doesn't seem like himself in recent games. So hopefully he's able to come back around. Because as I've said, if West Virginia is going to get these wins that they need down the stretch, they're going to need all their complete firepower. Uh, um, you know, going all together at once. And so hopefully getting Emmett back healthy and back to the way we saw him earlier in the season would be a big advantage for West Virginia. Eric Stevenson did finish with 17 points, four assists, and three rebounds. So a pretty good game for him overall, if you're just looking at the numbers anyway. But when you dive in here, looking at the field goals and the three-point attempts, he certainly struggled from the field shooting-wise. He was 4-4 four four from the free-throw line. But from the field, 6-17 of 17 overall and 1-6 of six from the three-point line. As I said, West Virginia just really struggled from the three-point line as a team in general in this game. Keedy Johnson had an off night, two points only for him, 0 of 1 from the three-point line. Both of his points actually coming at the free-throw line as he was 0 of 3 from the field. Joe Toussaint had to step up a little bit more off the bench because of that. He ended up getting more minutes than Keedrian Johnson, outpacing him 25 minutes to 18. Pretty good game for Joe, 12 points, five rebounds, two assists, and he was 50% from the field for West Virginia at 4 of 8. The bad news is that the rest of West Virginia's bench didn't really contribute in this game. You know, we saw a couple games ago that they were really a spark for West Virginia that helped them to get that win over Texas Tech. However, in this game, West Virginia certainly didn't really have the ability to rely on their bench as they have throughout the season as much. As I said, Joe Tucson had a good game. Seth Wilson didn't play bad himself, had six points, hit a couple of threes. But your big men, I think, in particular, really you know, had a bit of a down game, especially a Conquo. He was on such of a high streak coming into this game against TCU. And I think TCU's backup big man that had to step up in place of the injured Lampkin really had his way at times with the Conquo. I know the dunk on a Conquo stands out. Looked like we may have been getting another block from a Conquo, but instead ends up, you know, getting a little bit put on a poster there. However, he did end up with one block in the game at least, but only one point and two rebounds for him. Waggy had a better game than he has had recently, though. Do got to shout that out, especially for him on the boards as he finished up with six rebounds and three points. But Jimmy Bell, unfortunately, did not have a great night for West Virginia. I think maybe TCU had him circled. We knew he had the huge night when the Mountaineers were able to beat the Horned Frogs. And I think Lampkin, even though he was injured, still wanted to get a chance to play because of that probably. He probably took that personally a little bit. So they really made it a point to try and shut down Jimmy. And unfortunately, he ended up with four turnovers in the game, only four points and three rebounds. So a bit of a mixed bag for West Virginia when you're looking at the individual numbers. As far as TCU is concerned, like I said, Cork really stood out replacing Lampkin. He had a 
the dunk on a Conquay that I mentioned, a couple other nice dunks as well, and had some nice blocks down low. It was a nice rim protector for them. He finished with 15 and four for TCU. And then Wells, who got the start in place of Mike Miles, of course, ends up going off for 16 points and 7 of 10 from the field, including 1 of 3 from three-point range. But the TCU player that really impressed me the most, I think, was Ball, the guard there. His vision was really impressive to me. Ended up with a double-double on the night, 16 points and 10 assists. And some of the passes he was making were really great. And um, it was really picking apart the West Virginia defense, if I'm being honest with you. He contributed a lot of assists on those passes into the lane that gave TCU easy layups, back cuts, things that West Virginia just was not stopped. And Bob Huggins said, you know, they knew they were coming. They just didn't stop them. But I thought Ball had a great game for TCU, really is a good point guard. And I think TCU really has a solid team, as you can see here. Still able to get a win without two of their starters, essentially. I know Lampkin did play eight minutes and give them a little bit of a spark at times, uh, two points and two assists in those short few minutes that he was able to play. But without Mike Miles, one of the better players in the country, one of the best players in the Big 12 Conference, the Big 12 preseason player of the year, and you're still able to find a way to win, I think that's big when you have other guys step up if you're TCU. And then Coles, of course, for TCU had a great job off the bench with 17 points and really did some good things and you know he has a bit of a bigger frame and at times I think Waggy and Aconquo were struggling with that as those are guys that still need to put on weight to be able to play at this level extensively and I think Coles really exposed that a little bit in this game as did the TCU big men in general I thought that that was a big difference in the game and you can tell that looking at the numbers the TCU big men really did a good job 15 points for Cork 17 points for Coles whereas West Virginia only you know had Trey Mitchell stand out big men wise other than that you only got four from Jimmy Bell three from Mowagi and one from Aconquo so I think the TCU bigs did a great job and I think the TCU guards outplayed the West Virginia guards as well I said Keaton Johnson struggled Joe Toussaint didn't necessarily have a bad game but when you look at ball for TCU and Wells as well both of those guys really had standout performances especially Wells stepping up and scoring 16 he's a guy that doesn't really contribute a lot for them scoring wise in general he's had a couple good games throughout the season I believe he had one against Kansas as well but I thought the TCU guard play and big men really outperformed West Virginia and that kind of shows a little bit when you're looking at these individual numbers but Ultimately, it ends in a loss for West Virginia, 76 to 72 down the stretch to drop West Virginia to 13 and 9 overall and 2 and 7 in the Big 12 Conference. I know after the game, there was a bit of a spat there. I believe what was reported was that it turned out somebody was pointing at Jimmy Bell's mother, and obviously he took that personally, and I don't blame him. I'm sure we all would if it was our mothers in that situation as well, especially when you're coming off of a game where your adrenaline's already running. Unfortunately, in my case, I'd actually turned the game off by that point, so I didn't get to see that skirmish, so I can't really report on it too much, but I am definitely believe that's a subject that's come out after this one was the almost dust up after the game and Jimmy Bell having to be held back a little bit. Of course, when you have an off game and you're frustrated already, that certainly can play a part as well. But I definitely don't hold anything against Jimmy Bell for that. As Huggins said in the post game, he's a good kid. Yeah, Jimmy Bell seems like a great guy, and we all are fans of him. And, of course, if it was our mothers, I'm sure we wouldn't react much differently there. But definitely wanted to mention that. I'm sure that's something that's come up a lot after this game. But I don't think – there's anything of it, and I don't make anything of it either moving forward for West Virginia. But West Virginia just needs to get wins and get them right away in short order if they're going to have a chance to get on that bubble and maybe have a shot at making the NCAA tournament starting this Saturday against Oklahoma. So let's take a look and preview that game. But before we do, there is a bit of a programming note in regards to that game. Let me share this with you guys real quick. All right, so this was actually released earlier today, the day that I'm recording this. TV network being altered for the Oklahoma men's basketball game. Of course, this 
coming the official press release here from the WVUSports.com site there. Uh, the West Virginia men's basketball game against Oklahoma on Saturday, still tipping off at 8 p.m., but it will begin on ESPN News before switching to ESPN2. The reason due to the programming changes you can see here is ESPN2 is now televising the Los Angeles Lakers and New Orleans Pelicans game at 6 p.m. LeBron is uh, chasing the NBA career all-time scoring record, so I guess they're going to continue to televise his games until he reaches that and crosses that threshold. So having said that, it will be on ESPN2 at 6, so we will obviously run over the 8 o'clock start time of West Virginia and Oklahoma's game. So if you're watching this game on TV, you will have to start watching it on ESPN News, and then once the Lakers and Pelicans game concludes, it will switch over to ESPN2, the original network it was planned to air on. All right, so now we got that little bit of a programming note out of the way in regards to this upcoming West Virginia basketball game. I can say that it will take place Saturday night, February 4th. It's going to be an 8 p.m. tip, of course, played in the Coliseum in Morgantown. 13-9 13-9 and nine, West Virginia, also 2-7 and seven in the Big 12 Conference. Taking on Oklahoma, who is 12-10 and 10, and also is 2-7 and seven in the Big 12 Conference themselves. Like I said, it will be televised on ESPN2, of course, probably starting on ESPN News, as I just said there with that programming note. But recent schedules for these two teams, Oklahoma actually in a bit of a slump right now, losing four of their last five. However, their one lone win did come over what was believed to be one of the top teams in the nation and is believed to be a team that can compete for a national championship in college basketball this season, the Alabama Crimson Tide, and they beat them 93-69 to actually, but that is their lone win in their last five games, whereas West Virginia has won three out of their last five, but as, of course, we talked about earlier, their most recent game, unfortunately, a loss to TCU, but looking at the team statistics and how these teams match up, we know that Oklahoma plays at a bit slower pace than anyone else. They play a little bit more of a fundamental style, so their points per game are down, but they are very good defensively as well. Oklahoma Oklahoma only averaging 68 points a game compared to West Virginia's 77. Oklahoma giving up 65 points a game. West Virginia giving up 70. Oklahoma shoots 48% from the field compared to West Virginia's 46. West Virginia's pulling down 34 rebounds a game. Oklahoma pulling down 32. Both teams right at 13.5 assists and three blocks each. And Oklahoma averages 5.5 steals a game compared to West Virginia's 6. Individual standouts for these teams, of course, you know you got the Groves brothers at Oklahoma. Tanner Groves leads the team in rebounds as he's pulling down 7.4 per game. And Grant Sherfield, we've talked about him in our first matchup with Oklahoma, of course, very talented. Their leading scorer also leads them in assists, 17 points a game, three assists per game. For West Virginia, Eric Stevenson, of course, a leading scorer, 14 points a game, six rebounds a game for Jimmy Bell, three on offense and three on defense, and three assists a game for Keithy Johnson to lead the Mountaineers. ESPN actually has a little bit of faith in West Virginia. It appears here on their matchup predictor, 85% chance for West Virginia to win. They're given here versus only a 15% chance for Oklahoma. I know I've been optimistic throughout the season on this one. Last game, I predicted a loss to TCU. Unfortunately, I was correct there. I think West Virginia, we know, is a different team at home. The Coliseum is a huge advantage for the Mountaineers, but they have struggled against Oklahoma in recent years. I don't think they've beat the Sooners since 2019, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, they're due for a win, I guess you could say. I just don't know exactly where West Virginia's head's at right now. Hopefully it's in a good spot, but I know that loss to TCU was a bit of a letdown because I think a lot of people feel like West Virginia should have won that game with the injuries TCU was dealing with. And West Virginia really is going to have to steal one on the road here in these final nine games, probably going to have to steal at least one 
conference road victory there. West Virginia, if you're looking at it, you know we talked about it in the last episode here, but nine games remaining now. West Virginia is going to have to at least have a winning record over those nine games, at least go five and four to be able to have a chance to be on the bubble. You would like to go six and three over those nine games, and you would probably have a better chance of getting to the tournament. But if you want to have any shot at all, I think you got to go five and four over these last nine games. So if you're West Virginia, you pretty much have to win all of your home games left. So I think for me, this is a must win for the Mountaineers, and I hope they know that. But for that reason and the fact that they're due against Oklahoma, I think West Virginia is going to come into this one ready to play. I think the home crowd's going to ignite them. Late tip, so that's always good in your favor there when you're playing in the Coliseum. Hopefully it'll be a great atmosphere. It usually is. But I think West Virginia finds a way to finally get a victory over Oklahoma in conference, and West Virginia's, you know, keeps their little light at the end of the tunnel. They're still shining ever so slightly when it comes to reaching the NCAA tournament as we want to see the Mountaineers do. They need to continue to pick up wins. They're going to have to get these home wins and uh, finish strong out of these final nine games of the season. Hopefully they're able to secure the first of those home wins here Saturday against Oklahoma. As for my prediction, I think that they do it. I'm going to say a three- to four-point West Virginia victory over the Oklahoma Sooners, finally beating the Sooners and snapping that losing streak that West Virginia has against them when it comes to playing them in basketball as they've struggled against them here in recent years. So hopefully I'm correct there. We'll see what happens come Saturday night. But West Virginia definitely in desperate need of a win, certainly a must-win if you're asking me. So I'll be tuned in cheering the Mountaineers on, as I'm sure you all will as well throughout Mountaineer Nation. All right, so there you have it, Mountaineer Nation. Our review of the game against the TCU Horned Frogs as well as a bit of a preview of the game against Oklahoma and my prediction for the game against the Sooners as West Virginia gets set to play their 23rd game of the 2022-2023 West Virginia basketball season. Appreciate you guys tuning in here to Episode 8 of the CRW Hoops Podcast as we continue to try and cover this West Virginia men's basketball season that currently sees West Virginia sitting at 13-9 overall and 2-7 and in Big 12 play heading into this game against the Sooners but having said that why don't you guys let me know your predictions for the game against Oklahoma be sure and drop those in the comments down below if you're tuned in on the video side we appreciate the interaction as we continue to try and grow the Country Roads webcast community throughout Mountaineer Nation but whether you tune in to the video side or the audio side we appreciate you doing either one of those and continuing to do so as we continue to drop the CRW Hoops podcast episodes as the West Virginia basketball season proceeds also wanted to take a second to remind you guys we did release a football offseason podcast this week as well so be sure and check that out find it in your audio feed if you're tuning in the audio version and of course just check the playlists on the country roads webcast youtube channel you can find it there as well as some other wv sports news updates that have been dropping on the youtube channel as well so plenty of content from us here at the country roads webcast and it will continue to come as basketball season progresses and football season inches closer to kicking off but that being said that will pretty much wrap us up here on episode eight as we continue to cover the West Virginia men's basketball season here. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. As always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those streets.